1: Thailand, where it's hot, sunny, and the cashews are in bloom. Actually, they're not in bloom. They're they're ripe. It's cashew season. You may not know this, but cashew is actually a fruit. It's about the size of an apple. Looks like an apple. I'm looking at them right now. I'm sitting on the rooftop of our bungalow, and there's a big cashew tree right next to it. And uh, the cashews are red like apples. And each fruit has the nut hanging from the bottom of the fruit. I posted uh, a photo of one on my Instagram account. So if you follow me on Instagram, that's what you saw. Uh, Pretty interesting. You know, I thought they came in clusters of nuts or something like most people, but no, each it's like, imagine each apple has one nut on it. That's why cashews are expensive. Plus the fact that the the fruit, the skin, the um, the husk of the nut, the juice inside the fruit, all these things are very caustic. Uh, and when you process, process the fruit, you have to be very careful because it'll burn your skin, it'll fuck you up, it'll get in your eyes, it'll really mess you up. It's almost like processing cheese chilies, like habaneros or something. Um, So, anyway, interesting cashew season here in Copayam, which reminds Casilda very much of her childhood in Mozambique. I guess we're sort of at the same latitude as Mozambique um, because she recognizes all the plants and uh, the smell of the cashew fruits putrefying on the roads are uh, very reminiscent of her childhood. So, there's a lot of a lot of nostalgia going on. Anyway, why are we in Kopayam? Well, we came here thinking we'd spend a few nights and then uh, journey onward to some other places in southern Thailand that we wanted to visit. But um, we came to see our buddy Viram, who we haven't seen in uh, seven years, I think. And damn, it was so nice to see him. And This island is so chill and so nice that we decided, fuck it, let's just spend the rest of our time in Thailand, here on the island with Viram and his friends and his lovely girlfriend, Kalao, and and just enjoy it. So that's what we're doing, keeping true to the slow-mad tradition and, uh, yeah, travel. I don't know. I talk about traveling a lot, but this has always been my style. Get to a place that you like and just hang. Just stay there. Why not? What are you going to see? I mean, yeah, we could go see other beaches, see other islands. Maybe the water's a little clearer. Maybe the view's a little different, whatever. But really, uh, when you've got friends sprawled out all over the world, flung all over the world like stars across the sky... Uh, when you get a chance to spend time with one, you want to savor it. And Viram is really one of my very best friends in the world, and I'm sure Casilda feels the same. He's uh, an amazing guy, and I'm very, very happy to be able to bring you not one, but two episodes uh, with Viram. This is the first episode, and next Well, I was going to say next week, but who knows when I have next time I have a strong Internet connection, I'll post the second episode. So it may be a few days from when you hear this, or it may be as much as a week from when you hear this. You know, I've spent a lot of my life having less money than my friends because my friends had jobs and houses and families. And, you know, they were they were going down that road, whereas I was the guy teaching english or doing massages or translation work where i could get it or whatever just trying to get by and so when we went to dinner or whatever often they ended up paying because they knew what for them was a, a minor expense for me was you know signified a day or two's worth of work and uh so I've often looked for ways that I could repay the generosity of friends. And the one thing that you can give to people that's incredibly valuable but doesn't cost any money is uh, introducing them to your other friends. And I've been lucky that I've been very rich in friendships. And it's because of the nature of the kind of life I've been living, I tend to know people well this podcast is sort of a uh an amplification of this aspect of my life that's been around for a long time I tend to know people from lots of different worlds right so we would have a party in Barcelona for example I remember uh, and we had you know these blues musicians and um, Voodoo our buddy the tattoo artist who's been on this show and um, Santi and Vicky who are very prominent doctors in Barcelona and uh, Senor Reyes who's a construction worker who was a friend? Become a very close friend. Anyway, we'd have this collection of people who would have no reason to really know each other uh, in life. You know, they're they're in completely different worlds. But because we're all they're all friends with Cassie and me, then they had something in common and we have these parties and everybody had so much fun precisely because of that. Because, yeah, if you're a doctor, you hang out with doctors all the time. You know, if you're a tattoo artist, you hang out with a lot of tattoo artists. If, you know, whatever your your little world is, that tends to be the world that you get sucked into and uh it dominates your life so it's nice to be able to break out and and hang out with people that you would never hang out with otherwise and the fact that these people are all our friends you know sort of a pre-filtering mechanism because it shows that they're open-minded cool people otherwise they wouldn't be interested in the likes of me anyway uh All that is a long-winded way of saying that one of my favorite things about this podcast are those few episodes where I can share someone that I love with you. Vidram is certainly one of those people. I I won't even get into all the ways that he has helped Cassie and me over the years um, because I think that would embarrass him but I've probably already embarrassed him. So without further ado, let me just uh, throw up some show notes for you here. The music I'm going to be playing, uh, let's see, I wanted to play a song, it's called Asuf, A-S-S-O-U-F, and it's by a band called Tinariwen, T I N A R I W E N. They are from the Sahara, and I believe they're Taregs, which are a nomadic people from the Sahara. Um in the episode we 're not talking about the sahara we 're talking about Pakistan and india and uh so there 's no real um thematic or a geographical connection, but I just really like this song. It makes me think of travel, it makes me think of sleeping under a huge sky full of stars and uh you 'll hear that that is definitely a theme of what we 're talking about i 'll also play a tune called Deep Steeze um Hold on. Now, somebody sent me this song, and I don't know if the people who sent me the song are the artists or someone who just liked it. I don't I don't remember the connection. But anyway, the artists are John and Roy. The album's called Sitting Back. The tune is called Deep Steez, S-T-E-E-Z. And of course, there will be links to these songs uh, at the um, episode at chrisryanphd.com. Anyway, so I think it's the artist who sent me the song, which implies that they're very willing for me to use it. If not... um, you know, I'll have a link where you can buy the song. So please do. And uh the last, the music I'll use just sort of in between to uh, break up the conversation a little is from a song called Petition to Ram by one of the greatest names of any band ever, Jai Utal and the Pagan Love Orchestra. That's the song that sounds very sort of Indian. Uh He's a, A sitar artist, I believe, who I think he's a Western guy, American, I believe, who um, lived in India for a long time studying Indian music. So it's sort of Westernized Indian music a little bit. Without further ado, let me just get into this because... anything I would say is nowhere near as interesting as what Phiram has to say. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure you catch uh, part two coming soon to a podcast near you. Thank all of you. Thanks to all of you for uh, your contributions through Amazon, through the Amazon affiliate link, and also through Fund What You Love, helping to keep, tangentially speaking, bullshit free. Really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for the really kind uh, reviews. Every once in a while I go to iTunes and take a look at the reviews that you leave there, and uh, it always makes me feel very good. Thanks for all that. Hope your life is going swell well this week. Bye. Here we stand right now, it's
2: a Saturday afternoon. Standing right here, and it's four hours past noon And I don't know what I'm doing Just sitting here, screwing around Writing down the words that come out my mouth now It's been a long time day, the sky's gray The clouds around my whole town And I'm feeling kind of down Cause a serious side of life is shown on like a sharp knife It's right, smelling a little funky like a strong odor. The world seems a little colder When this view I encounter, And I can't think straight now I'm older And this is why this view comes up Cause being older brings responsibility And lack bring been consequences that could be harming me So I gotta shine on whatever about what I do Even though I really shouldn't Cause worrying don't do anything good for you It just makes you miss out on good times And you don't wanna do that So you shouldn't follow any line That you think's been set for you Yes, it's true When you're feeling kinda blue When you feel like there was nothing you can do Trapped in a cold place Blue smoke makes you choke On your own pit Hell yeah, it's very shitty But to get one thing straight Life can be bad and life can be great It's all in how you take it If you apply the brakes when you should It's all good Part two Now I start thinking things through Like what the hell am I gonna do In a year or two Got to get my life organized Find a path Follow until I solve the math God damn I need a job I need a car I'm gonna need myself a house Baby with a fancy bar. Outside. come home every day with pride With a nice big yard and a dog outside But shit, what the hell am I talking about? I'm not even 20 years old This is all I'm thinking about A sunny day Things looking up, what to say Got a little bit of funky rhythm Rolling through my head today I see things, boots, swings Ain't gonna get me down here Gotta stop thinking too much Cause I feel near to you And the soul of all being. Life got a little spark today and this is all I'm seeing Yes, for sure, this life can be rough But sometimes you don't appreciate it enough It's tough, when people you love are dying around you And you feel helpless like there is nothing you can do But here I'm telling you Always keep your head up and don't close your eyes Cause the world don't go away It can only be disguised Two, three
1: This is one of these very special episodes where I managed to manipulate one of my best friends into coming on the podcast. They're the hardest guests to get. You'd think they'd be the easiest, right? But they're the hardest. Um, I don't know why that is, but it's true. I have some friends who have outright refused, like just don't even talk to me about it. And then other, uh, some friends who are like, you can tell they're a little bit they're willing to do it to help me out and to participate in this weird project, um, but it's not their nature. Uh-huh. I think that's you, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. That's when I'm one of the <laughs>
1: <laughs> one of the latter group, as was Casilda. But like I told you, her her episode uh, is one of the most downloaded of all and i think that people like that you know they like that you're not a shameless self-promoter like me
3: yeah Yeah. Yeah. so
1: so you have the american uh bullshit artist speaking to an authentic italian today viram welcome viram thank you and this is where i'll play like lots of music or something Uh, uh. (laughs) or a crowd a recording of people Uh, applauding (laughs) So we met, uh, what was it? 2003, I think. Yeah,
0: around 12 years ago, something like that. 12 years ago. In India.
1: eh? In India. Goa. In India, Goa, yes. Arambol. Arambol. Which is the beach, sort of, I think it's the most northern beach in Goa.
0: Yes. Yes, it's the last beach north of Goa.
1: Exactly. And you had been going there for a long
0: time. Almost 25 years at that time. Man. I spent almost every winter there. Mm. Well, yes, almost every winter. Sometimes three, four months, sometimes six, sometimes longer also.
1: And we met because our girlfriends were doing a belly dancing class together. yes. (laughs) That's a great way to meet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that was a special place. We only went there that one time. But uh, a lot of interesting things happened there. I, I did the paragliding class with uh, Uwe, yeah. where I jumped off the mountain and, and the earpiece fell out. Did I tell you that
0: story? Ah, yes. Yeah, so you could not hear the instructions. I couldn't the, the hear the instructions. instructions. Yeah, and wow. it was the
1: first the first jump. Uh-huh. And I'm floating out <laughs> over the Indian Ocean and waiting for him to tell me when to turn back. And he's not telling me, but I'm distracted because it's like, holy shit, I'm uh-huh. flying uh-huh. over the ocean. So you, know? you had
0: to do it all yourself.
1: Yeah. Also. Well, I, I heard some screaming very, very distant. And I turned and saw him <laughs> jumping on the mountain. Ah, ah, Chris, Chris. And I realized that the ear thing had fallen oh, out. wow. And uh, so, yeah, I had to sort of wing it. And I don't know if you remember there's the way it worked. You'd go out and then you turn back into the valley uh, and there yeah. was that sort of a lagoon. Yes, yes. And then you come and you try to land on the beach. You turn and go along uh-huh. the beach, right? Yeah, yeah. Because if you go too far into the ocean, you're the fucked. The wind
0: doesn't, yeah.
1: Well, and if you land in a parachute in the ocean, you, yeah, you exactly. sink, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the lake is not a very good option either. So anyway, I, it, I survived. But as I was coming down to land, just as I realized I'm going not going to die here, I'm coming down about 15 feet from the beach and some rabid Indian dog comes running out. Wow. And I'm like, I'm landing into uh-huh. the jaws of a rabid dog after all that. You escaped the crash, but then you were <laughs> almost beaten by a dog. Exactly, yeah. yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and what else? That was where we had our yoga uprising. We led the rebellion against the Uh yoga teacher. That was
0: you and Cassie.
1: Yeah. Uh Yeah, that was an eventful uh, couple of months there. Uh Anyway, so you you had been going there 25 years. But let's start
0: at the beginning. You are from... I'm from... Well, we said I'm from Italy, and uh, from a small town in the north of Italy, Modena. The birthplace of vinegar. Vinegar, Ferrari... Parmesan. (laughs) Oh, really? Parmesan is from there? Parmesan, well, Parmesan, the name Parmesan comes from Parma, which is a nearby town, just Uh. 30 kilometers from Modena. Uh, But it's the same region. It's like Emilia-Romagna is the region where Modena is, and it's where all these products come from. Mm. Parmesan, the prosciutto, famous prosciutto Uh. from Parma also. Uh, yes, the vinegar, the balsamic vinegar, and all the sports cars, Lamborghini, Maserati, De Tomaso it's, so it's, it's a, a quite industrial and rich yeah. uh, part of Italy. Yeah. Hard-working people, they say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's north. North, yes, just south of the Po River. Uh-huh. You know?
3: right. And
0: it's uh, plain, plain that is in between the Alps and the Apennines. Mm. Uh, yes, and well, pretty ugly area though, because it's all so flat, so very very hot and humid in summer, very cold in winter, full of mosquitoes in summer mm. and I guess that that was one of the reasons that made me escape from that really? area at a certain the point The mosquitoes? No, the whole all, the all atmosphere of the place Yeah you know?
1: Yeah, the industrial yes, feeling yes. So, you're from a big family, as most Italians are. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I have four brothers. I'm the middle one, so I'm the third one. Uh-huh. And uh, my two, yeah, I have two younger brothers, uh, one of which is a teacher, and the other one is a gardener. Hmm. And then the other, the two older one, another one is a teacher, and another one is a cousin. Seriously? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's
1: funny. Good, yeah, s- th- good symmetry there. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And I'm um, the,
1: the the black sheep. B- the
0: black sheep, let's say.
1: Yeah. yes Now, have have you always been? Uh, were you an unusual
0: child? Do you think Uh, well i would think so because uh, from from an early age like i i didn't fit in in the system there like Mm. i I felt constricted in something that didn't feel good and didn't feel good to the point that i remember i was suffering from headache from an early age like from eight till 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 when I decided to change my life, actually. Really. And and it made me thought think that the reason was actually that yeah. that of being in a system that I couldn't be in because my my body rebelled against it. Really. So were they like migraine headaches? Yeah, it was migraine and very very strong migraines really? and, and uh, depressing because I knew I knew already in the morning that in the evening I would have had. An headache you know? uh, so yeah. it was just like depressing yeah and uh, I tried all kind of medicines and doctors and this and that but nothing worked it worked when I decided to change my life and from then on it, it just disappeared so it was a good kick in a way this this a kick
1: every day yeah, in the head. yeah every day another kick Like, yeah. hey kid but that's hard when you're young how do you change your life when you're 8, 10, 11 yeah, well, years old
0: well it didn't happen at that, at that age it happened uh, when I was around 20 yeah.
1: yeah but that's when you should start to get the headaches not when you're 8
0: exactly you but know? for some reason maybe I had some earlier <laughs> alarm it was <laughs> time to start thinking what to, how to get out of that right situation yeah. no?
1: Well, see, that's why that's why doing a podcast is great. I've known you all these years. I didn't know about the headaches.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, my memory is not that good, so <laughs> I, I don't remember whether I talked to you about it or not. Yeah.
1: Yet. Oh, welcome uh, to the club, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm my memory sucks anyway, and as you know, I tend to repeat myself. You know, I have certain stories. I, you know, like oh, that's like the time, and I tell that story. I have no idea. Who's heard it, who hasn't heard it? And then now with the podcast, it's like, uh-huh. you know, people write to me and they say, hey, man, you've told that story. We like have a proof. Five times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Episode 7, 24, 13. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, well, what are you going to do? The is, thing about is, a podcast is it's a conversation. I said to you yesterday, it's a conversation, it's uh, not a performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things get repeated in conversations. Yeah, sure, so, sure.
0: Yeah. Well, it reminds you you're getting older, no? That when too. You, when you yeah. when you hear yourself repeating yourself, in, in, in I mean, in a recorded yeah way, because yeah, usually you tend to forget that you've already said something. No, I had. I, in
1: fact, I talked about this on a recent uh, episode because I do an intro. You know, separate. You know, where I'll talk about how I met you, Uh, and 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 then I also talk. Well, you've heard the podcast, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, one recently, I don't think I've posted it yet. I was talking about a situation where a comedian was accused of stealing jokes, Uh and she is someone who's very careful and very has a lot of integrity, and. And she said, like, why would I steal jokes? I know that would destroy my career. And, yeah. I, and why would I do that, you know? I, but then you look at her doing this routine and then the routine of this guy who died, Patrice O'Neill, and it's the same Exactly thing. the same. Yeah. Huh. Really, really uh, similar. So, and then what I was thinking was how sometimes I listen to a podcast, you know, from a year or two ago. And I'll hear myself talking about something that I thought I just thought of a week ago. Like, I'll have some idea when I'm writing or something, and like, uh-huh. oh, that's like, that'll make a connection. And I feel like that's original. I've just thought of that today. And then I hear myself talking about it a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, w- what happened? W- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's
0: an uh, alarming. Thing,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. but I think, it's, I think it's true for everyone. Uh-huh. I don't think it's that I've got Alzheimer's or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's the way memory works.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I heard someone said, when you remember something, you're not remembering the event. You're remembering the last time you remembered the event. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. And then Milan Kundera, one of my favorite writers, said, memory is not the opposite of forgetting. Memory is a way of forgetting. Uh-huh. Right, so we memorize something and it take a snapshot. It's like taking a picture of a party, and, it gets and now you think somewhere, you, well, and you think you remember the party.
3: Uh-huh. That's
1: just a picture.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? you you.
1: a little. It doesn't even capture all the people who are at the party. Uh-huh. Someone was in the bathroom. Someone was behind you. Someone's laughing. That doesn't mean they were laughing in the whole party. So you just have this weird, momentary fragment, uh-huh. and it becomes the whole memory which is yeah, yeah, completely it's, it's inaccurate
0: it's true yeah. That's true yeah
1: but anyway i don't know what the hell that has to do with anything so you're so you're you had all these headaches you felt as a teenager like this isn't right this is a shoe that doesn't fit
0: yeah there was this i mean i felt like i was living a life of, of have to you know have to do this right. have to do that uh, and and uh, it didn't feel good didn't feel good i, I needed to be free to choose what to do and especially to do what I liked were you a bad student well yes yes I wasn't really applying myself in the studies right. all the teacher would tell my parents that I, had, uh, I I was very intelligent and had great potential but I wasn't applying myself right. you know? so um, of course my marks were not that good and actually I I left uh, high school before the end of, of,
1: of it. Ah, uh, you didn't finish high school. No, I didn't
0: finish. I didn't finish also because I had a, a, a job offer from a, a family friend, a friend of my father or mother, I don't remember now, that was working for a company who, was, uh, who had to do with uh, providing sound systems for, uh, for the groups that were coming to, to Italy to play the concerts. No and I remember being very excited about that proposal so I accepted to go and work for this company as a beginning I was I mean they were looking for somebody not really skilled but to whom they, they could teach mm. how to repair and fix the, the, the amplifiers, speakers and these kind mm. of things you know. so I accepted and, the, and me, I, rem- I remember it was me and another guy that they took to 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 try, and uh, at the end they took me, and I started as a as a technician uh, because my study, my previous studies were were electronics, and uh, so I had an idea more or less of what the job would would have been about. So well, they took me, and uh, I started by repairing and fixing these electronic equipment and then there was a sound technician that uh, liked the way I repair the speakers and uh, so he took me under his wing let's say and I was going around with him uh, making concert in the sense of uh, you know when there is a concert there's two mixers there's one for the audience and one for the stage mm. so he taught me how to to work on the mixer in the stage for the musicians, no? And uh, and yes, when there were concerts I would do that and when there was no concert I would st- keep on repairing the, the, the stuff that was broken sometimes during the concerts, no? So I had a chance to travel around all around Europe and uh, see a lot of great musicians mm.
3: and uh,
0: yeah and it was, it was actually a great, great Time in my life, this it was and actually the beginning of getting out of uh, because I was sixteen right. at that time. Sixteen, yeah, exactly sixteen. Well, that's that's a lucky break. It was. Yeah. It was.
1: You could have ended up in you know all sorts of trouble. And
0: well, yes, also because the the, the I mean you know with musician it's drugs and this and yeah. that. So I I I actually started all kind of experiences at that time but uh, unfortunately after a year and a half or two something like that the the, the owner of this the, this big company decided that he wanted to go and live in the states and so he he he, he fired everybody <laughs> me included and uh, i ended up without the job yeah. and after that was a quite depressing time because the 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 alternative was to go and work in, in a factory. Yeah. And I actually ended up going to work in a... in a, I don't know, I don't know how you call it, the place where they make tiles, no? mm. tiles, but these were hand-painted tiles. Mm. No? So I ended up going, working in front of an oven
3: oh, and, put,
0: and put the tiles one by one inside the oven. No? And it was summer at that time, I remember. <laughs> so hot, and you know, I was in front of an oven after that experience, you know. It was quite depressing,
1: yeah. yeah. But it gives you a look at what people do to survive, Yeah, right?
0: yeah, well, I
1: think that's really important as a young guy, to get that sort of...
0: Sure, sure. See
1: yeah. what... Yes. See what people are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working in mines and factories and gutting chickens and... Yeah, yes. Flipping burgers and... It's fucking hard, yeah. So wait, before you move on from the music,
0: were these like big bands that you were doing? Well, uh, Any names? I did the last uh, gig that Bob Marley made in Italy. Really? In Milan,
3: yes.
1: And you're mixing for the musicians. Musicians. That's, I mean, if you fuck up, they fuck up the whole concert. Big
0: responsibility, yes. But the the main sound engineer was a a very good engineer, and he taught me very well how to do the thing. Hmm and uh, so yes it was a responsibility but at the same time I was really excited by th- about the whole thing and it came easier easy to yeah to do the job yeah and
1: you're like backstage and you're, yeah, yeah. you have access to everything yeah, sure
0: I was I was in the stage
1: yeah in the stage hidden <laughs> with my little mixer yeah uh, that's great Wow. Okay. So then you go back and you're working in the the ceramics thing and like yes. okay this
0: sucks. Yeah, that was one of the many jobs that followed before I, before. I th- yeah. No. Were you still getting headaches now? I was still getting headaches. What about when you were doing the music? Well, that was different. Yes. No. In that that year or something was much better. Uh, I felt much better. Right. Of course, because I was having a lifestyle that I enjoyed a lot. Right. Right. And so back to the headaches, after that, and back to, not back, yeah, and, and into the weirdest job possible, No, after this ceramic, I went to work, I went to work in a place where they made, they grew the worms for f- f- to go fishing, mm. you know, a bait, yes. yeah, so there was all this rotten meat. <laughs> And oh, you can imagine no. the smell oh, of, man. This, of this place, and how I smelled when I came out of this place. <laughs> it, I lasted three weeks because I couldn't st- I just couldn't stand the smell of... That's of, of, of the. 14
1: if, days longer than I would have lasted. Yeah, right? yeah. So how was your family? Because your father was a hard-working
0: guy, right? Yeah, my fa- father was... a. Uh, I say, a uh, uh, laborer, a laborer yeah. in, in, in one of these sport car factories, uh, Maserati, right, you know, right, which is in Modena. So my father was working in this factory. My mother was uh, working as a social assistant, to taking care of old people for the the village where village yeah. where we were living. You no. Know?
1: And how did they deal with you not fitting in and not feeling comfortable?
0: Well, it was okay as long as I was uh, working, mm. you know, uh, and doing something. But then at a certain point after these jobs, uh, like the the, the bait jobs, the ceramic, and then after that, let me remember. Uh, you well, were, were at Ferrari for... Yeah, I worked point. at Ferrari also as an as a electrician, like mm. we were doing uh, uh, fire fire, Like we were making, fi- what's it called? Firewalls for for there were these rooms where they tested the engines. You no, know? mm. so we had to install uh, systems that in case there was some fire in the room. It would it would uh uh, like an automatic fire, o- fire o- yes, repression. This, yes, yeah. exactly. Ah, yes, that and then another job after that was. Um, Building and installing car washing machines, car washing. Yeah, the car washes. Yeah, yeah. car washes. And this was another boring job, (laughs) (laughs) the 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 building part. But then then at a certain point they asked me if I could go around and install the machines. No, and so they sent me to Lebanon. I remember to Syria at that Mm. time. It was. 1983-84. 1983-84. Mm. And at that time there was war in Lebanon. Mm. Eh? I remember they sent me there to install this thing and as I go, go, get to the airport a guy picked me up. Somebody I didn't know, of course, but they told me there's going to be a guy to pick you up. And he had this huge Range Rover, six-wheel Range Rover, long, big car. And I get into the car and, and I was hearing outside bombing. There was bombing. And I asked him what's going on here. Well, there's, there's war, you know. Uh, but don't worry. Where, where we are going, there's not going to be any problem. There was actually, a, let's say, a, a part of the town where, like, war didn't exist. They could not bomb this part of the town. Probably there was rich people living there. I don't know what, what it was about. And then I remember, don't worry, anyway, look under the seat. I look under the seat, there were Kalashnikovs under the seat. So he said, don't worry, we are, we are like, <laughs> we can protect ourselves. Fucking not man. against the bomb. Yeah, not against the bomb. But he reassured me that, that we had no problem. Okay. And I was uh, young, so not really, you know, yeah, like scared. Nothing can happen. Yeah, nothing, yes. Yeah. So yeah that part of the job was okay because I was travelling around and seeing new things. Mm-hmm. And yeah so this was another of the jobs. After that I I don't remember if exactly after that job or after uh, other jobs similar jobs I decided to I decided I wanted to learn English and get out of the, of there, no? So that's was, that was when I I decided to go to England. I didn't speak a word of English. Yes and no was all I knew. And, uh, ah, just before that to get some money to go to England, I was working in a, in a place where they produce wine, you know, in the, uh, there in the village where I, I lived. And, they were making Lambrusco there, because it's famous for this wine. So it was another boring job, but it was very interesting to see how they actually make wine. You know? because people think that wine is made just by squeezing grapes, but it's not actually like that. There's all kinds of chemicals that goes in, go into wine for, for producing it and for preserving it. Mm. So it was interesting to see what, what m- wine is made of. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, at that time too, you know, in Italy there was compulsory military service. Oh. Uh, and uh, so they call you a year before where you have all the tests to see whether you are eligible for this service. And I remember I didn't want to do it at all. I mean, it was another of those have-to-do that I mm. was against totally, no? Yeah, one of the biggest, probably. Yeah, yeah, especially like being deprived of your life and go and obey orders. No, that was a no for me. And no
1: one's attacking
0: Italy. Yes, you don't it, need to defend. Exactly. Yeah. And the simple fact that it was compulsory, I just mm. could not take it. So when the, the the time came for the tests, I remember 20 days before I stopped eating. I was just <laughs> <laughs> smoking joints, chillums and all these kind of things and uh, not eating. Plus I had all these papers. Uh, no, oh, it's not that they they get to know these and then they make me go back to do military service. <laughs> good question. <laughs> I, I don't know. We can delete this if you want. That's that's a good point. <laughs> and
1: uh, well, come we, find them. Yeah. They, they don't know your name. Exactly. Yeah, we so far
0: there's no name here.
1: Well, Viram, and they yes, don't know you by that name. That okay, so we'll stick with that.
0: Exactly. So and I had all these papers from various doctors for my uh, migraine. No, so oh, right. I was hopeful that that they wouldn't have taken me. So anyway, I went to the tests, these weird tests. Well, psychologists and this and that. And then I remember you have to go. You have to go. Through a few doctors, and you have to be naked because they have to check everything, even mm. touch your balls and check everything. You know. So then I, I, ended up with they 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 told me to go to the neuro- neurologist. So I ended up having an a
1: neurological e- exam.
0: Exam, and he started asking me, what was this story about migraine? You know. So I I started telling him that uh, nothing. I had headache almost every day and for me it was unthinkable to do the military service because when I had headache I had to stay in a dark room, hear no noise and just uh, wait for it to pass because I tried all kinds of medicines and nothing would work. Well, finished the tests uh, after 15 days, they sent a letter to me, telling me that I had to do the tests again the year after. I said, oh fuck. I, I was hoping to, to be rid of it, but no, I had to do the test again. So I repeated exactly the same thing the year after. And they made me, like, able. Like, able for the military service. But able of, like, there are degrees of ability, so mm-hmm. they, they told me I was able of fourth degree, which I never, I never found out what it meant, because, <laughs> because after a f- few days I received a letter that I was, uh, uh, that Ex- I uh, excluded,
3: Excuse, l- excluded,
0: yeah. and I was excluded because of Article number one hundred. Uh-huh. I didn't care what the article was. I was just so happy and uh, and uh, I. I Till now, I don't know what was the reason <laughs> really? why I didn't do the military service. <laughs> well, I think I think
1: fourth level able means if levels one, two, and three are all killed, then it's your turn.
0: <laughs> well, something <laughs> like that. I, I, I think I think it, it was something like maybe uh, I, I could have worked in an office uh, instead of doing all the trainings uh, and right. things like that. Right. You know? But luckily, for some reason, maybe because there was too many... Uh, in that year they decided to mm. leave me home. Which well, good for made you. me very, very happy. Yeah. And well anyway, what was that? So I you talking? were on your ah. way to England. Exactly. I, I yeah, I was I had that in between, so I had to postpone my going to England because I had to do these things before. And in the meantime I wasn't working. And you were asking me before my parents what thought about. Well, they were getting a little bit worried because I was just home doing nothing. Mm. Uh, I could have worked, but I didn't accept jobs because I didn't want to go back to doing jobs I was doing before. So I was just home waiting for going to England. So I left to England and uh, I was... I ended up living with Italian people, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Classic mistake. Classic mistake. Yeah. After almost a year, nine months, I spoke just a few English words. I said, "No, this cannot be me. I cannot me. I came here to to learn English and to 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 take advantage of that and travel the world. I have to do something about it." So. I decided to move to another part of England and I went to Cornwall. Mm. Now, I had found a job through some some magazine, I don't remember now. I had found a job as a bartender in a small pub in Cornwall. So I moved to, Co- to Cornwall and uh, well it was hard because my English wasn't so good but slowly slowly it improved a little bit. But it was that I was learning to say things but not really understanding why i was saying these things in in, in, in the different occasions mm. no? so i decided no here i have to go back to london and go to school because i need to learn the grammar and everything otherwise it's just, i feel like a parrot mm. just repeating <laughs> words here <laughs>
3: fuck off yeah
0: pay your bill exactly another pint yeah yeah, yeah exactly like that
1: a parrot yeah. that's funny and uh,
0: <laughs> So I moved back Uh, to London and determined to go to school. So I enrolled in the school. Mm -hmm. And since when I went back to London, I was unemployed. At that time, if you were unemployed, you could uh, go to school without having to pay anything. Mm. So I started school. And and, uh, in a year and a half of school, I was determined to to learn, so I really studied art, and after a year and a half I managed to to get this proficiency mm. certificate, you know, which was, I remember, quite hard to get, but I did get it. And actually with A mark, mm. you know, uh, which was the highest mark, and, and uh, very few got it. And I remember uh, teachers telling me that even English students wouldn't pass with A marks. Mm. No? And how old were you? I was 22, 23 at yeah, that time. Right. 22, I think. Well, I, I, I arrived there and I was 20, between 20 and 21, and I stayed until 23, beginning mm. of 23. In the meantime, as I was learning English, I decided to do a physiotherapy course, school, let's say. So, I had a year of this physiotherapy school and I learned massage, let's say. And, uh, yeah, after, after that, I decided that I had to move from England. I, I liked England, London a lot eh, because there was a lot of things happening, all kind of arts, concerts and this and that. So, there's always something to do. But I was feeling that I would get stuck there if I mm. didn't make a move because I had so many friends and mm. good situations. And so, but I, my, my, my goal was that of traveling around, traveling the world. So I decided I have to leave England, I go back to Italy, work a little bit and then start traveling. So I went to Italy, work as a physiotherapist for a year but I didn't like how they made me work, you know, because it w- was like working in a factory. It was one massage after the other, and mm. without I mean, a, a minute break between massage, you know, and it was very heavy. Eh? Mm. So for half a year, I worked full time, then the other half year, that's said, I cannot do this. And I started working just half time, four hours a day. But still, like, I didn't like the, the, the approach that you had to have with people was just like you were working with uh, pieces of meat really Mm. not with with people and uh, but I was getting into this uh, form of body work I liked uh, uh, this contact with people but in my head I was developing this idea that that it could have been different than just massaging this with these forms of uh, uh, of massage, let's say, the one I had learned. no. So I decided that my first trip would have been that of going to India, because uh, I had heard that in India there was different kind of uh, therapies and massage that you could have learned. No? So I quit the job. And I, I went to India. <laughs> <laughs> so, just,
1: was there anyone in your life that you knew who had traveled, or where did this idea come from that you wanted to see the world?
0: Well, I guess it was no, not because of other people traveling. It was more, more, India. It was. I remember something was triggered by uh, a movie. I was a serial, like I was watching as a child, where there was this child also, moving through India on an elephant. Ah, oh, the Jungle Book? No, I, I remember the elephant was called Maya, oh. or the guy, I don't remember, he's the oh. elephant or the mother, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I remember all these beautiful scenes of India, and I, and I was... So attracted by this and mm. said, well oh, one day I want to go there. Yeah. One day I want to go there. So the two things together they wanting to learn about different technique, massage technique and and, and and this movie let's say. So you bought a ticket
1: Rome to to where? Rome to Mumbai. Mumbai, it was Rome to Mumbai. And this
0: is 1980?
1: 1980
3: 1987.
1: huh. Yeah, it's about the same time I started. Uh-huh. You're younger than me though. Yes, right? I'm
0: 64. Uh, two years younger than yeah. me, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay,
0: so wow, what was that
1: like? Oof.
0: Well, uh, I remember, well, it was Exciting, but at the same time scary, you know. That yeah. I didn't know anything about India or. or yeah. I mean, I heard things about from people, but. And you'd been to the Middle East for that car wash, yeah, do- uh, wash job? I'd been in the Middle East. I had ar- already been to Morocco twice before, uh, actually. Okay. Right. Uh, on holiday, just a month, one year, a month, the other year. <laughs> and uh, uh, Americans are going to scream
1: when they hear you say just a month. <laughs> <laughs> In America, if you get a week, you're lucky, yeah, Boy. yeah. nobody gets a month. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, you'd been out of Europe, and you had a sense, so it wasn't like you just went directly from your mother's house to India. No,
0: no, it wasn't that. No. But still, nothing can really prepare you for India. No, not at all, exactly, because... I realized after that no matter what people told you, what books you've read, what stories you've heard, it's a completely different story. It's yeah. your story, it's your experience, mm. it's your India, let's say, right. and, and it's different from anybody else's India. Mm. And. Uh, yeah this could be a very long long story you know because India <laughs> yeah. is a, and, and I told you I spent uh, yeah. almost 25 years in India yeah. and 25 years like uh, minimum six months per year you know yeah. m- most of the time it was nine ten months per year yeah so there's a lot of stories there a lot of moving around and uh, seeing places meeting people yeah
1: well we can we can take a break whenever you want we can make this last as long as we want you know i can spread it out over a uh-huh. few episodes whatever it's totally up to you because i mean to me this stuff is all fascinating you know i i went to india the first time in 88 i think uh-huh. 89 and so we're talking about the same yes yeah, same epoch when there was no internet, exactly, you were exactly. far away.
0: Yeah, that was actually another thing that, that you come to realize, or I came to realize after, and that, that was... it was great, when there was no internet, when making a phone call would take days, because you had to, <laughs> queue, to yeah. queue for making a phone call, and the yeah. only way of communication was post, was mail, yeah. through post-restant. Yeah. Eh? And it was a great feeling that of getting to a place, going to the post office and go through all the letters, piles sometimes, not even in alphabetical yeah. order, to see if there yeah. was something for you. And when there was something, it was just wow. Yeah. In, like, in a way, incredible that in all this mess you could get your mail, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, a really a great feeling. And yeah, as I was saying, I came to realize that it's a pity that it has all changed because. First of all, like it, you really had the feeling of being away from where you were coming from because yeah. you were distant and, and, and not in a position to communicate easily mm-hmm. with the place you were coming from. And at the same time you were much more present in what was happening because you were not distracted or you were by, by being in front of a computer talking to mm-hmm. somebody else in another part of the world. So, which I see as a as a way of not being present in in where you are, in what you're doing, no. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so you were living in a way more more what was happening around you. And uh, yeah, I love that feeling. I remember communicating with the, yeah, it was through letters or telegrams, when there was something important. Mm. But telegrams was quite expensive, yeah. no? And uh, so I devised a, a way to write telegrams that, that was less expensive, because you would pay by word. So I remember I would write telegrams with three, four words together. <laughs> <laughs> so it looked like Germany. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I could communicate like... Because like it's in an Italian,
3: and <laughs> yes, the Indians in Itali- didn't know. They, they
0: didn't know. It's <laughs> funny. And uh, so I was sending this weird telegram because all these words together uh, looked like they didn't mean anything. Uh-huh. But if you if you read carefully, then you could understand right. like what it meant. I don't know why I'm saying this, but yeah, just because <laughs> it pops up. Well, and that's that's one of
1: the things that makes that sort of travel so satisfying, I think, is figuring out it's one of the things that always made me happy was when I figured out a way to to ma- to do the most with the least.
0: Exactly. Right. Exactly.
1: So so carry as little as possible exactly. but be as comfortable as possible, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, pay as little as possible for the telegram also
0: but because the budget was very
1: yeah low uh, cause so the, well and like you exactly. I was traveling as long as my money lasted exactly. it wasn't I have to be back in May mm-hmm. it's I have to be back when I run out of money so yeah. the yeah. less I spend the longer I travel exactly,
0: exactly. and
1: later when I was traveling like for a vacation or something uh, you know okay I've got two months and then I have to be back I realize it's a completely different experience. Not only because it's shorter but because the first way of traveling I was counting up. Like I've been on the road three months and now it's four months and now five months and the more the better. Uh And the other way I was counting down. I have six weeks left, Left, five weeks left, three weeks Uh left, Uh you know. So the feeling is the one feeling is getting better and better, and the other feeling is getting worse and worse. Yeah, true. Completely <coughs> different way of looking at things. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I wonder how we do that with our lives, you know? Like the first 40 or 50 years, you're counting up, yeah. and then you start <laughs> down. And then, you yeah, know, you're
0: counting down. I've got 25 years and left, and at most. Taking on the things you cannot do anymore. Right.
1: Yeah, there's a. I don't know if you feel this, but in the last five years or so, I've started to feel like a. Uh, an ever-present sense of nostalgia
0: Uh, yeah well yes I guess it's a common feeling that everybody of our age or more have you know because there are many things you you physically cannot do anymore even the traveling I mean could you travel this like 50 hours on a bus like you did before I don't know I I would end up Dead, I, but I'd complain I could. about it yeah, a lot more. Yeah, yes.
1: But sometimes it's I wonder to what extent is it just because I've already done that? Uh-huh. And yeah, to some extent my back would hurt, my, whatever. But for me, it's not, so far at least, it's not the physical. It's a more psychological, spiritual kind of feeling. And I think part of it, like, you know, David Bowie died. Uh-huh. You know, David Bowie, he's like young. Right? You know, it's like seeing people... Like when Frank Sinatra died, I didn't even give a shit. I didn't notice. Who cares? But when you see these people who are part of your life, and not that David Bowie and you and I are of the same generation exactly, but he wasn't
0: far off. No, no, far away from us. Yeah. Well, the thing is that we are... We are getting older and getting to an age where, where... those we know, uh, those around us, uh, <laughs> things start happening.
1: Yes, things start yeah. happening. And people even younger than us.
0: Yeah, even younger than us. That's true. People start dying, start having problem, health problems, you know, yeah. So it looks like it, it's getting closer to you. Yeah. Whereas when you were younger, it was older people right. having this problem. So right. they were far away from you in age. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But now, no, now it's getting closer, closer and closer. It's funny though, because we never
1: know how close it is, yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be tomorrow, it could be now, no. it would be any moment. No. The only thing but we know is that it's not farther away. We know the outer limit, right, like with with lifespan or something, like you know, you and I are around fifty, so we say, okay. Realistically, what? We might have 25 healthy years left, mm. 30, if yeah, we're yeah, really yeah, lucky, yeah. but maybe not. Uh, so we know the outer limit, but we don't know. We might die tomorrow. Yet. So we never know the inner limit. Exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah. Anyway, so you get to Mumbai, and you're like, okay, holy shit, this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah. This is the real deal.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, <laughs> Mumbai is a quite intense... Place to land. I remember when I land, land landed land, at the airport, yeah. and I was getting out of the airport, and there was these windows before getting out, and there were pe- thousands of people squeezed with their faces on the window, looking at the people coming out. Yeah. So it felt as if like you know the zombie movies. <laughs> <where> <laughs> <laughs> where they're all ready to yeah, jump on you. Yeah, exactly. and a lot of them were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The rickshaw drivers, Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody. Oh man. So a bit intimidating, like getting out of the airport already. And the smell yes, and the exactly. the air, the, the, the heaviness of the air. Yes. The the. The smell, the smell—a at a certain point was the trademark of India, yeah. you know, because it was <laughs> the first thing that you s- felt about India—the the moment the the airplane would open the door. Yeah. Welcome to India.
1: So, what is the smell?
0: It's. it's well, it's a mixture of uh, mainly shit. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but it's mainly shit. Human m- shit. Human shit. Yeah. Mixed with incense. Yeah. And uh, and spices. various spices and food and yeah, yeah but but the the the, the 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 one that prevails the base is, is <laughs> yeah, the base is actually shit. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah. I I landed in New Delhi my first trip to India, and uh, it was the morning. I, I landed at like four in the morning or something
3: uh-huh.
1: uh, after Diwali. Yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Diwali. 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 So everywhere, I I went into, I took a taxi into Old Delhi, and I think I was walking around with my backpack, waiting for the places to open or something, and I just remember colored paper everywhere, Mm. in in the streets, colors everywhere, just like the... This massive party uh, that had ended yeah. just a few hours before I arrived
0: and coming from our world where colors uh, in those years there was yeah. was was more punkier, so everything was black black you know? right and and you get to this country where everything is colors colors yeah. and 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 things to be felt by all your senses you know yeah. because the, the smell the colors the, sounds, the, the noise the yeah. noise noise twenty four hours a day you, you had to get accustomed to to sleep with noise, because yeah. noise is there all the time. And, and, the he, and walking down the street, everyone honking at you, exactly. hey, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, Just yeah, they yeah. just want you to look.
1: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, hey, hey, look at me, look at me. Every, everyone is so starved for attention
0: from the white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and in those times, I remember, like, I mean, we were not the first, but, but there was not so many, so many travelers around, so... And that was the days when India
1: was aligned with the Soviet Union. So uh-huh. there was still no McDonald's, no Coca-Cola, no, no Coca-Cola no none exactly. of that shit. And there was one car, right? Y- the y- Ambassador.
0: Yes, yes. Beautiful car, yes.
1: Yeah, that was from, what, a British design from the I, 50s or yeah. something, that they just kept making the same, uh-huh. the same car. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> yeah. So, so where did you go from Mumbai? Did
0: you stay there for a while or did you head out? From Mumbai, actually, I went to first Uh, stop was Pune. Ah, you went straight to Pune. I went straight to Pune because uh, before leaving to India I, I, well, the thing is that a few years before going to India, I remember in Italy traveling through one city and I remember seeing some weird people. These people were dressed in maroon and with a, a necklace hanging from their neck with a picture. No, and I was intrigued by wh- what, I mean, these are Italians, well, what's happening here? Why are, dress- are they dressed like that? Well, uh, I didn't find out why. And then a few years later, maybe two years later, I came across a magazine and I started reading. And I found out what these people, why these people were dressed like that. And it was because they were part of this uh, Osho commune that uh, was in Pune and and I was reading through the magazine and, and and I find found very very interesting what I was reading now so I was attracted by by this Osho. that's why I decided for, since I was in Mumbai and Pune was just nearby 150 kilometers which meant one day in mm. India to get there yeah. anyway uh, yeah, I decided to visit the Commune and uh, and Osho at that time was there. Mm. was there but uh, he had just came back from uh, the States. From Oregon. Exactly, because he was based in Oregon before that. Before ah, this
1: was after the big... Uh, the exactly,
0: the, when he was arrested. And right. And, we,
1: yeah. and the people they still talk about that because I was yeah, just living yeah, very yeah, close to that me. place. Exactly.
0: I meant to ask you, but yeah. In the yeah.
1: Well, they still talk about it as the only um, chemical uh, terrorist attack in the U.S. Chemical. Yeah. Because apparently, what they did—some ah, some, some water—Salmonella, or, uh-huh. or they had some like yes, uh, some, some disease. It, it wasn't even Salmonella. Uh-huh. It was uh-huh. Yes, they put into the wells. Or, or no, they put it. They went to the salad bar at some local restaurant and uh-huh. they sprinkled it on the
3: salad really? bar. Uh-huh. And
1: the idea was to make people sick so they couldn't vote uh-huh. because there was some. It was in this little town in the middle of nowhere, yeah, yeah. and they didn't want the local people to vote. Uh, against whatever like there was some law that they couldn't have the commune there Uh, or something, uh, uh, I don't remember the specific, but it was a dumb thing, it was just to make people vomit it wasn't to kill anyone, but they still call it a domestic chemical Chemical attack attack. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) fucking America man Uh, okay, so it was after that he took his 22 Rolls Royces and had to go to India
0: Mm, well, so as far as I know, no, he took nothing. They took from him all the Rolls Royce oh, that he had. Oh, because he had eh?
1: tax problems, I e- think.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. the excuse why he was, uh, like, deported was they couldn't find anything. So what they found out, what they, yeah, what they made up was that he had arranged marriages between Americans and foreigners in order um. for the foreigners to be able to stay there no? right and, and follow him which was not actually really what happened but anyway it doesn't matter and uh, so yes I went to the commune and uh, just to have a look around because I wanted to have a taste of what was the story I mean the first impression was a bit uh, weird because all these people dressed in the same way really felt like a, a, a sect, right. you know, Right. but being inside uh, made me see different things about the, 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 this commune and about what actually was Osho and what was all the, the, what was the people and what was Osho. Right. They were two distinct things. Uh, what was it
1: about Osho's teachings that you found intriguing? I mean, when you were reading, before you met hmm. him, before you went to India, there were things that resonated for you.
0: Well, now you're asking me something, I mean, it's so long ago. I know he had I, I
1: haven't read a lot of his work, but I've read excerpts from various books, and I know his I find his teachings on relationships, mm-hmm. sexuality, jealousy, that sort of thing, yeah. to be really good. Yes, yes really yes. smart and yeah. funny and uh-huh. like uh, no bullshit.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yes, not yeah, romantic. I guess, that, I guess that in a way, that approach. To, to these things, to these issues, is something that attracted me from the beginning. I wanted to see how, how it reflected on people around him. Mm. So that was made what, what was that made me go there, no? But as I told you, I was just visiting and didn't intend to stay. I just wanted to have a feeling of how the thing was. And that's what I did. I stayed three days in the commune and uh, and then I left because my plan was to travel around India and see India. And that's what I did. So after that, I think I headed down to Kerala. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think I headed down to Kerala to, to the backwaters at mm. that time. I wanted to see the backwaters. And... and uh, that was the beginning of my moving around India. No? That's a good way to start, I think, uh-huh. Kerala. Yeah, yeah, because it's uh, it was actually not a very poor part of India. No, Kerala and, is exactly and
1: very educated uh-huh, and, and exactly, pretty yeah. friendly people.
0: Yeah, yeah. It Was funny because yes, educated and educated because of the the church, of course, because the yeah, Portuguese. church was very strong there. What well, was funny because at the same time it was like the communist uh, state of, That's of right. India, yeah. you know? And I remember one time there was a big demonstration of this communist party, but big because like the road was packed and packed with with thousands and thousands of people, all with banners with the with the communist symbol, you not know? the the hammer and the sickle, exactly these. Yeah. And then they had the picture of Stalin, Lenin, all that was Russian and (laughs) was like looking communist. Everybody had a banner or or another and and I remember them making a lot of noise, a lot of... uh, so it was quite scary. Mm -hmm. I mean from the room of my hotel I was seeing all these people like in with an energy like really ready to fight. So it was funny to see this contrast of this Christian region, uh, state, and this big communist party, you know. I didn't understand well what was going on there, why they were so strong, both were so strong. Were you in India when Gorbachev came to visit? No, I don't think so. Oh, yes. Where I was, was there.
1: It? Late 80s.
0: Late 80s. Yeah, he
1: came, and I remember it was a really big thing.
0: Uh-huh.
1: The, like a big deal that Gorbachev was there.
0: Well, I guess so, yeah.
1: And I was also there when Chernobyl blew up.
0: Uh-huh. Where was
1: that? I don't know. We that can, was... We can check <laughs>
0: later. That was 86 or something.
1: Oh, really? I think so. Ah. Uh, well, maybe I was there earlier than I thought.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I was, because I went directly from New York, so maybe... Yeah, I was in Guatemala in 89, so it must have been India in 86, Uh, '7 something like that.
0: I think I'm not sure, but I think remembering.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so you went down south to Kerala. Were you traveling alone?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was completely alone, no? And uh, good that I was alone. And it's good that I was alone in the sense that it's something that I would suggest to everybody traveling to India that of doing it alone. Yeah. Because it's your own experiences and if there is somebody else it interferes with what is happening to you and it distracts you from really feeling what is going on with you. you And yes and it, it takes away those spaces that you you can have where you where you, how you say, you either digest things that happen to you mm. or you, you think about the things that are happening to you, you know? and it's a good space because it makes you understand many things about yourself and, and what is really happening around you. And it gives you, at least in my experience, it gave me uh,
1: a sense of loneliness. Mm. That loneliness and aloneness yeah, right that, yeah. um both as profound as any that I've felt in my life, because it's not just that you're sitting alone in a room, but you're sitting alone in a room that's thousands of miles away from anyone who knows uh-huh. you, anyone who gives a fuck about you exactly yes, anyone who could help you uh-huh. uh and that's fucking amazing. That's great. You know, when you... when you It's like going to the bottom of the ocean or something. Uh, you know, when you come back up, your whole life is different. Yeah. And it gets back to what we were saying earlier. Now, I know we're going to sound like two grumpy old men here, but when, when you're sitting in that room now, in Cochin or wherever it mm-hmm. is, and you've got Wi-Fi, because the guest house has Wi-Fi, yeah. and you've got your smartphone, and you can text your mother and she'll answer you in 10 seconds, Exactly. how are you going to feel that? yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> people, everyone's running around trying not to ever be alone and some of the most valuable experiences I've ever had were
0: intensely alone exactly, yes, it's a space that doesn't exist anymore no matter where you are nowadays in the world, no? because you are connected all the time and it's, yeah. uh, it, it's a pity, it's a pity because Uh, It takes away experiences that can give you a lot, can give you a lot.
1: My friend Justin, who I was telling you about, who's been on the podcast, he, I think one of the things that drives him so far away into the hinterlands is seeking to get that.
0: away from yeah from yeah. the connection yeah.
1: right I mean yeah. he drives his motorcycle into the desert yeah. and then yeah. hikes for another and ends up on some Indian reservation and stays there for two weeks because there's no way to find him yeah you yeah. know no one knows where he is even he doesn't know where he is
3: yeah I understand I, I
1: think I he's understand. looking for that yeah sure yeah sure. yeah man, man. so uh, so how long did that visit to India last
0: that. My plan was to stay 6 months but uh, it lasted a year uh-huh. but I uh, because as I got there and I saw when I saw how little money you could live on I decided <laughs> to really to really save on all the expenses and try to stay as long as possible right so the money that I had uh, with me thinking that would last 6 months at the end lasted a year yeah, yeah. And in the, in the meantime, yes, uh, that first year I traveled quite a lot and I didn't spend much time in, in, in places, three, four, ten days maximum in one place. Mm. So that allowed me to see many places in India. And yeah, from Mumbai to the south to, and then back up north to Calcutta to Darjeeling, Assam, and then from there I went to... Well, of course, through Varanasi and then up to the Himalayas. Mm. To go to Kashmir. To, to Kashmir. Oh, you to, go to Srinagar? Yeah, yes. Ah. To Dal Lake. And, uh, no, and I didn't know you. That's did. another, another interesting part of the, of that first journey. I remember because at that time there was war there going on too.
1: Yeah.
0: And we were me. No, we. I was staying in this houseboat. I had given the address of this guy who had this houseboat from a a woman that I had met along, the, along my trip and she had this friend up there in Kashmir and, and uh, she told me to go to him. And Anyway, I went there and, uh, and, he, and he welcomed me like, as a friend because I knew this woman. And, uh, but yes, there was shooting going on all around and you could get off the boat just an hour or two a day to To go into the town if you wanted, no, but even going into the town, I remember there were soldiers everywhere there were uh, yeah like this this bunker made out of sand uh, sand bags, sand bags yeah. with soldiers everywhere, so it wasn't really. I would say, wasn't really relaxed the situation apart when you were on the boat uh, and moving on the lake. Did you go up to Leh? Yeah, after that, yeah. after Srinagar, I, I I took a bus and I went from Leh to no, from Srinagar to Leh, and that was a, a beautiful part of India. I remember really. Really going to another country actually because. It's more
3: Tibetan. Yeah, it's yeah. more
0: Tibetan and Buddhists, and, and you can really feel the difference between Hindus and Buddhists. Yeah. Mainly on the. Well, on and the Muslims. Yeah. You know, in Kashmir yeah, Muslim exactly, Muslims. Exactly. Exactly. Even though there were some Kashmiris up there in, in uh, Leh, they had all the shops, of course, you no, know, because that's what they do. And uh, yeah, I. Really mm. I spent some time there, a month almost, in Ladakh. Yeah, almost a month. First, to get yeah. to get, uh, acclimated. Acclimated, because yeah. I remember getting there, and for, for a few days I, I could walk just 10 meters, then I had to stop and, and really try to take in some oxygen because it was really high, no? I think
1: it's the highest city in the world.
0: Yeah, in the yeah, world? I think wow. so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it felt. Very high I remember yes like even the dogs were not moving around much because (laughs) it was only in the night like during the day all the dogs were sleeping only in the night they would wake up and and move around a little bit because it was cooler and uh, Mm -hmm. and I guess felt better to move around yes then I was in uh, Ladakh and then I came back to Srinagar and I remember in Srinagar at that time there was this Muharram festival, I think it's called. It's when uh, when they celebrate the death of this, uh, this other prophet, I think. Or, or I, now I don't remember well if he was a prophet or what, but it was the cousin of Mohammed mm. and he was a martyr. He had been killed because of. Well, he's actually, I, I guess, the leader of one of the two. Faction, either Sunni or Shia. Uh-huh. you know. so when they when they celebrate this uh, event in that part of uh, the Muslim countries, they they have this thing of of beating themselves up with with blades oh, and and, uh, and their backs exactly oh, and chains exactly. and barbed wire it, and exactly. stuff. Right. So I remember from my houseboat hearing this strange chanting coming from somewhere nearby strange but not so strange because actually you know I remember vividly the the sound it felt like hearing Hitler like in one of his uh, uh, speeches speeches you know like the tone of the voice was like this and I was curious to see what was going on there I didn't know what was happening So I took the small boat and I... The Shikara. Exactly. The Shikara. And I went to... I tried to get to the place where I heard this this voice coming from. And as I got there, I remember before getting there, I saw many women. They were punching their chest with their fists and they were pulling their hair like they were really pulling hair off their head. Uh So what's going on here? And then as I went on with the shikara, I saw, well, first, before seeing, I smelled like a warm smell and like iron smell. It was blood, smell of blood. As, uh, well, I realized this as I got closer and I saw people all red, you know? I thought, what the fuck is going on here? And I saw they were all like beating mm-hmm. each other up. No, each other, Im- themselves so. up. And, and cutting really deep cuts in their backs and legs, everywhere, and the smell was so... And, 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 and I remember like some of these people had to be stopped by the others because they had gone in such a frenzy state that they would have gone on until killing themselves. So that was quite an experience. So I went back to my houseboat a little bit shocked this, by these things like, yeah these things they can do if they can do these things to themselves what can they do to you yeah better the let, yeah. Be, let stay quiet here
1: yeah that's mm. a good plan in, in Kashmir uh, so i was definitely there earlier than you because when i went the problem was in punjab
3: uh, i
1: need a special permit because the train passed through punjab uhhuh but Kashmir was fine. Yeah. So it was a few years later, the problems in Punjab were finished, but they started in Kashmir. I see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember now, I remember, I flew from Delhi to, no. To Jammu? Yeah, yes, no, I flew, before I told you I was in the Himalayas, and then yes, I went, because I was with this woman who, I told you, gave me the address of the guy in Srinagar. So I, we went back to Delhi because she was living. And I flew from there to Srinagar. Mm. From there to Srinagar. So I don't know whether it was possible or not to go by road. I don't mm. remember now. Yeah. But that's how I ended up there. By
1: yeah, road. and I remember I, when I was there, there were no soldiers. It was not, I mean, mm. there were soldiers, but not a lot. And then I remember reading a year or two after I left the. Well, I was in this wedding. I was invited to this Mm, wedding. Me too, me too. Yeah? Yes. All the men in one place, all the women in the other. So, the reason I was invited was that one night I was on this houseboat with these two guys that I'd met on the train going up. A British guy named Chris and a German guy named George. And we got the cheapest houseboat because there are some of them are Ooh, beautiful
0: there are palaces yeah. and, and
1: but we well. got this very cheap one it was like one of these bungalows just floating you uh, know uh, it was a, yeah, a yeah. hunting cabin yeah, floating, yeah. and it had a little pot-bellied stove mm-hmm. and I was there in November yeah, it was yeah. cold and we would just sit in there and smoke cash at night and, uh, and one night the the owner who lived in front came running through like ah, yelling and we were like it was quiet candlelight smoking hash and suddenly all this chaos he and his son run through our thing and say come 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 and we go out and we see across the lake is one of the big houseboats on or actually it was a house on uh-huh. the side on the shore was on fire Wow. And everyone was going, uh-huh. and he said, "Come, come!" And we, without even thinking, we ran out, and we all got in the shikara together, and you know, really unstable. And, and everyone's, and. and the British guy Chris said, "Oh, wait, I forgot something," and he ran back in the cabin and didn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> he
0: didn't want to. He, he was to the do.
1: smart one. Well, <laughs> yeah. if I had thought of it, I would have done the yeah. same thing. And then the guy was like, "Oh, forget, it. we can't wait," and they, all, and we left the four of us. And we're going across this lake in the middle of the night, and there's this huge fire. I mean, it was like a two-story house, and Uh by now the whole thing was... And everyone's screaming, and you can see... And and so we get there, and and we're thinking, like, what the fuck? Like, what are we going to do, you know? Uh, And all these sort of heroic young men, the guys who were probably Uh, making themselves uh, bleed, uh, the same idiots were uh, up on the rooftops of the neighboring houses and they had formed these uh, bucket chains uh-huh. and they were throwing buckets of water one at a time on this raging inferno uh-huh. and other guys in there sh- they would get their shikaras up you know like 3 4 meters from this incredible fire they must have burned their hair off their faces uh-huh. and they were trying to splash it with their paddles i mean yeah, give me a break guys uh-huh. and finally I mean, we sat, and we luckily, the guy just wanted to go and watch, you know, uh, say he was there. Yeah, 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 we yeah. weren't doing anything heroic, but uh, so we just sat there and watched, and then um, finally, typical Indian style, after about an hour, this little power boat came, and it was like the the fireboat. <laughs> And I remember it was yeah. called Tiger Lily because that was my dog's name when uh-huh. I was a child. The Lhasa Apso, I told uh, you. Her, yes, yes. Name. her name was Tiger Lily. And uh, and then they couldn't get the engine started for the pump. And it was, j- meanwhile, it was like there so were just ashes. It end. was gone, yeah, yeah. 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 But it was an interesting uh, Epis- Srinagar yeah. episode, yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you. What were we talking about? Oh, the smell of blood and the craziness and. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, and yeah. you flew there? Yeah, from, yeah, so I from flew Delhi. There, and, and, yeah. Then this thing was up, and then after that, I went to Ladakh and came back. And I remember at that time, my visa was expiring when I was there in in in, Ka- in, in Srinagar. So I had to find a way to to get some more time to mm-hmm. renew the, the the visa. So I went to an office the, the in Srinagar. The, the hour or two that there was no curfew to this uh, foreign registration office or something like that. And uh, I asked if it was possible to have more time. And no, at the end they, they told me that I had to go out of the country. I, they just gave me a month, one more month. So uh, I didn't know what to do. I had more money, I wanted to stay longer. So I decided to go to Pakistan and so i stayed one more month i think there in in srinagar and then yeah three weeks and then i went down to lahore no lahore sorry to amritsar amritsar uh, and i visited the golden temple mm. and i remember it was beautiful beautiful place to be the golden temple because amritsar is imse- itself felt to me one of the most chaotic cities in, in in India. And to be to from there to go inside the Golden Temple was like going into into a place of peace. Mm. Like out of all the, the, the chaos that was outside. So yes. the, the
1: Sikhs are pretty cool.
0: Yes, yes. Yes. They are and to me they felt Pretty honest yeah. compared to many others. Yeah. But I don't want to get into that because I don't want to sound against yeah. some somebody. No, but anyway. Uh, yes, yeah, so I had this little visit of two, three days to Amritsar and then from there I crossed into Pakistan. Wait, where did I get the Pakistan visa? well somewhere at the I must border have maybe. maybe at the border I don't remember now but yes maybe at the border and I remember crossing in, crossing the border was a weird story you, you got there by train then a few kilometers before you had to get down the train they were supposed to check your things and then you had to walk another 3-4 kilometers across you the border you had to walk across walk, the border walk. yes I remember walking wow and then when you got to the other side get another train to Lahore so that was my uh, coming into Pakistan.
1: Is that the trip where you went up in the mountains exactly. with the donkey? Exactly. Ah, wow! Exactly. Okay,
0: man, that's a this is a hell of a first trip to Asia. Yeah, yeah. It was it was actually, yeah. But it's as as I think with everybody. I think the first trip to Asia or India in that case. Is the one you you remember with more? Let's say, like you really remember well because it's everything is so different and so yeah. out of your scheme of things. No, that that it's something that stays with you forever. Yeah, uh, and I remember after uh, the, the travels I had to India after. I remember. When I met people for the first time, telling them how lucky they were, and how I envied them in a way, you know, because the feelings you get the first time you don't get anymore. Mm. I mean, as as you go there more times, they they somehow diminish this feeling. You no, know, you get mm. a little bit. I mean, you know already, so it's not something new. It's not yeah. a surprise. You're not. It's like everything else, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, no, that's just sex yeah. and drugs uh-huh. and
1: music and so many things it's although I do think with sex anyway and India yeah. <laughs> there, is a, there is a there's a there's a floor mm-hmm. where it's always at least that interesting uh-huh. yeah you know what I mean yes. like it can never be completely normal and boring oh
0: no, sure sure because it it's It's enough that you step aside one second and see it from outside and and you see that it's actually something Not normal not not you don't find it anywhere else
3: But
0: But do you think you would have had a similar feeling
1: if your first trip had been to say Peru or Some other part of the world, you know the outback in Australia or Papua New Guinea in other words were you enchanted by the differentness of it do you think or was there something about that part of the world that particularly... I think it's appeared? something
0: about that part of the world know that it's different from anywhere else there's something in the... In, in, I mean in, in the people also because it's... they make the country know, know mm. and... and uh, so that makes it a, a special experience makes it Unique, something that cannot be found anywhere else. My f- I haven't found anywhere
3: else. Yeah,
1: I, and like you, my well, my first trip outside of the U.S. was to Mexico uh, for a few months, five months or something. Um, but then after that, the first trip was India, uh-huh. and and then I was struck because. After Asia, India, Nepal, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, I flew to Greece, mm-hmm. and I had never been to Europe. And I remember landing in Athens, super interesting place, completely different from where I grew up, and I felt like I was coming home. Ah. Greece felt like yeah, home to yeah, me yeah. after India. Sure, you know, sure. Yeah, 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 and so it was like it's like your first trip is to Pluto and then you come back and check out the moon and Mars you know and yeah. it's like well okay it's cool, cool but it's not Pluto yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's like there, there's something and my feeling about India and I, I don't know if you think of it the same way but I always felt like what made India so interesting is you know first of all that it's this ancient mm-hmm. culture yeah. it's so old and so elaborate and incomprehensible a lot of people speak English. Yeah. So yeah. even though they're really exotic and, and very, very different, you do have a language that, that is you a can way communicate. To communicate.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: whereas true. if you're to- yeah. you know, in the Inca in Peru, yeah. like, well, sorry, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't speak Quechua. And But the other thing is that a lot of, in the Americas, my feeling is that the cultures either feel destroyed mm-hmm. by the colonialism yeah. um, or they feel like they want to be they they believe the american uh-huh. bullshit yes. and so they want to be capitalists uh-huh. they want to be richer they want what they see on tv yeah. in india i feel like they don't give a
3: fuck yeah. it's a especially whole in those times thing.
0: like yes yes Yeah, like, like they yeah they were a completely different uh, Space, no, because they, uh, as you say, they were not attracted by the American style of life, and and they had their strong tradition and culture, and uh, and uh, nothing would change that. Yeah. Well, as yeah, as a matter of fact, you get there, and it looks like you are in a, at a theater. Everybody's wearing costumes looks like <laughs> no because people don't dress like yeah. that in the rest of the world yeah,
1: it's true even the air an- i remember animals with like uh, the stuff under their eyes yeah or, or the, tika the, the tika their forehead, on the forehead, you know, forehead exactly for
0: <laughs> so it's yeah a, it's a movie it's really a movie when you get there i hated india i have to say oh me too i loved and hated it uh, <laughs> All the time. (laughs) Yeah. All the time. Well, for me, the
1: first, like, two months I was there, Uh there was very little love.
0: Me too. First month and a half, like, I didn't know if really I wanted to stay in India uh, or just go out and go somewhere else or go back because there was, like, the ice had to be broken. Otherwise, it wouldn't have worked. Well, that's, that's why I, it's such a shame when people
1: say, oh, I have a month off, I'm going to go to India. No, yeah, not both. All you're going to do, that's like, that's like the first week at the gym. Mm-hmm. All you're going to do is suffer. Exactly. You're not going to gain exactly. anything exactly. from that. Yes, yes. Although maybe there's some value in, in just seeing it. But I hated it. I hated Indians. Mm-hmm. I hated India. I hated the stink. I hated the heat. Uh, I hated yeah. the dust and the flies yeah. and the just the chaos and the noise. And I was just like
0: would leave me the fuck alone uh, m- yeah mainly this thing leave me alone because all the time all the time somebody bugs you from one reason well for uh, the yeah. only reason they want something from you yeah they want something from you yeah. all the time yeah and so it's frustrating because you think they all call you brother friends here and that but all but you see all they want is something from you so you don't understand what what's your reason for being there if people just want things from you and and you went there because you wanted not something from them but to get something from this trip and all you're getting is people (laughs) wanting from you
1: I remember the minute, the exact minute when I stopped hating India Uh I was in Pushkar and I had met this guy, Sean, who mm-hmm. I think you yes. met when Australian, you Australian, no? yeah, yes. yeah, yes, still good friends with him uh. all these years later, um, and Sean had been in India a few times before, so he knew
0: the, the, yeah.
1: and and I was watching him, and the things that would drive me crazy just made him laugh mm-hmm. and he treated everybody like an old friend you know uh, you know somebody would come and try to swindle him and he'd be like oh my brother my brother laughing and put yeah, his arms yeah, around yeah. and then the people would laugh and everything was friendly and happy and no problem yeah and we found this place uh, you've been in Pushkar right? yeah, yeah yeah sure so we found this place that had bang lassies yeah. Yes. Uh, which is, for people who don't know, bang is like uh, the preparation of marijuana that's very ancient in the Hindu sacraments, mm-hmm. and, and Pushkar is a sacred place, so they had this stuff. And we drank these lassies, and we got nice and stoned, but a very mellow, mm-hmm. smooth high. And I was walking back to the guest house, and I was walking along, and there was this cow coming toward me just you know it's slow midday kind of cow movement and I watched the cow and then on the side of the road was an old woman who had pulled her skirt up and was taking a shit on the side of the <laughs> yeah, the road and she's yeah. looking at me completely no shame at all uh, and she smiles at me and holds her hand out uh, it's for some money yeah, while some money. she's shitting <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and, Something about the cow and the woman and the, the whole thing. It was just like, I get it. This place is hilarious. Yeah, this yeah. is wonderful. Thank you, baby. We just got some ice cream and from my nice lovely Casilda.
3: Boy, thank oh you. thank you. Oh,
1: Kalau. <laughs> thank you. All right. Should we take a break? Yeah. A little then break. Eat our ice cream? Yeah. All right. We're going to take an ice cream break. Exactly. And we'll be right back. gentlemen, we are back from our ice cream break. That was, that was ice cream that you're not going to find in most parts of the world. By the way, we are sitting on an island in southern Thailand by the name of Koh Payam, is that how it's pronounced? Yep. So if you look on a map, uh, the southern tip of Burma, the southeast tip of Burma, we're just south of that, on a beautiful little island where Viram is living. I don't know, maybe we shouldn't tell people that you're living, that the army will come and look for you. No, believe it. The Italian army.
0: (laughs) Nobody knows me, Viram, nobody knows. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, so we're, so by the way, Viram, the name comes, it's a name that was given to you by Osha. By Osha. yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Okay. We can talk about that later if you want, but you've had that name for a long time. Yes.
0: Yes, now... uh, Twenty-seven years. Twenty-seven years. Eighty-nine.
1: Uh, yeah, that's twenty-seven. Yeah. Yes. Whew. Long time. Yes. Eighty-nine. I died a, in eighty-nine as well. We oh both yeah. we both had a rebirth in eighty-nine. Uh-huh. That was the year the scorpion bit me. And ah, yeah. And your and
0: lips. Uh, was no, no lips? my, my toe. Not, ah, the toe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, lips, that would be interesting No, that was another guy who, told, who was bitten in his lips Oof, I bet they swelled up Yeah, like, yeah. like this yeah.
1: So uh, when we stopped for our ice cream Oh, I should say the ice cream was very unusual Because on, at the bottom of the ice cream Were strips of coconut meat and mm-hmm. sticky rice Yeah, Really nice touch even the cat enjoyed it. <laughs> the cat who's now crashed behind me. Um, so, when we, uh, when we paused, you had just gone into Pakistan.
0: Yes, I just entered Pakistan. And um, I was in, well, I crossed into Lahore. I remember spending a few days in Lahore because I was staying in, at a guest house or a hostel, something like this, where I met a few other foreigners and uh, I remember that first night they invited me to go to the movie to see a movie at the cinema which is something that uh, I hadn't done for a long time because Mm. I've been traveling quite a long time and uh, so I decided to go to the movie and I remember seeing this Van Damme movie martial art movie and uh, funny thing is that as we came out of the movie, all these Pakistani young guys, they were just acting like Van Damme, no? like doing all these uh, Kung Fu movie m- moves and uh, yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> so that was my first night in Lahore.
1: Did you notice any immediate difference between India and Pakistan?
0: Well, of course, the costumes were a little bit different, and uh, yeah, not not so happy people like the Indians, mm. uh, not so smiley all the time like the Indians, not so colorful also,
3: mm.
0: and uh, but I remember being fascinated by this amazing trucks that they have in uh, Pakistan, uh-huh, the Tatars. I don't remember now if they were Tatas. they might have been, mm. but it's the way they decorated the trucks yeah. not only with paintings but also with wood carved yeah but like amazing amazing like like amazing pieces of furniture you know between the carving and the paintings they were just like little jewels and uh, Yeah, and there were many, many hundreds of these trucks all over the place. So it was, this was the only very colorful things I remember in Pakistan. Mm. And um, so I was in Lahore and then after that, from there, I think I went to Rawalpindi. I took a a bus and arrived in Rawalpindi, where I remember now I went to the post-restant because I was waiting I was hoping to find a letter from uh, this woman I told you about before uh, that was traveling with me in India and had given me the address in mm-hmm. in Srinagar, no? So we had had this two, three months together It had been a beautiful time with this woman. And uh, so I was hoping to receive a letter from her and I did first, I went in Lahore and looked in the post restante, and there was nothing and i arrived in Rawalpindi, went to the post restante and there I found a letter for her from her you know but in the letter was written that she had written a big a longer letter in Lahore oh. so I said, cool in Lahore I went checked and it wasn't there, but I was so. I wanted to find this letter, so I went back to Lahore, (laughs) (laughs) another 9 hour bus Uh, to Lahore Yeah, Yeah, now we're starting to wonder
1: if maybe email's a good thing
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly
1: (laughs) The good old days, when you took a fucking 18 hour round trip bus
0: (laughs) Yeah, and Uh, that time was 9 or 10 hours, something uh, like that and you were a horny young man, yeah, exactly. desperate for a little yeah. taste. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. So I went back to La and strange enough, the day after I found the letter, but it had just arrived. So oh. the day before I checked it wasn't there, the day after it had arrived. So was, was it worried. worth it? It was worth, well yes, it, at the moment while reading it, it was wor- was worth. worth it. But then at the end it wasn't that I mean. <laughs> <It> <laughs> Where is it. she now? Now she's living in England, uh-huh. and, uh, well, I'm not in touch with her anymore, but I know that she's living in England, and, uh, yeah, so, post-restant. So, was your intention to travel in Pakistan, or just go out and come back and get a new visa in India? Well, I wanted to have a look at the country, yeah. so before going, I had, uh, gone through reading some book and things about about it to just have an idea because it wasn't in my plan to go to Pakistan yeah. when I was in India. Right. I was hoping to stay in India. So since I found myself there I decided to travel around and see a little bit of the country. It was, I think it was around September, something like that, yes yeah, September. So, going in the south was still very hot.
1: Yes. This is like eighty-seven, eighty-eight.
0: 88? Yeah, those
1: years. So, mm-hmm. the, yes. the war in Afghanistan is happening yeah. with the Soviet Union,
0: yeah. right. So, I decided to move north to the mountains. So, from Rawalpindi, well, oh, I went through Islamabad, and then from there to Peshawar. No problem getting up there? No, 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 two, no,
1: no, no, actually. Because it was already like in that war. That's when the U.S. was supplying lots of weapons to the Mujahideen, yeah. who later became the Taliban. Exactly. And exactly. they were channeling everything through Pakistan. So there was a lot of military activity up but there. There
0: was a lot of military movement. You no, know, a lot of military you could see around, but nothing really tense. Mm-hmm. You no. Know. Maybe because they were, my idea was that they were so used to being in that kind of atmosphere in those countries right. that it felt like normal, no?
1: Yeah, and the war was in Afghanistan. Yes. It wasn't in Pakistan. Yeah, it wasn't. And in those days, they were more worried about India. There was mm. a lot of tension on that border. It's true. Yeah. It's true.
0: Between Pakistan and India. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I went. I arrived in Peshawar and... Uh, I stayed a few day, days there, and then I went to the border with Afghanistan. Now I don't remember exactly the name of the if it's called Keta, 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 something like mm. this. And I remember to go, because I wanted to see this market where they said they were selling all kind of arms,
3: Yeah. You no. Know?
0: and yes, true, as I got there, they were selling all kind of arms and drugs, there were, uh, let's say, tables with... with Guns and and, and uh, bazookas and all kind of guns and munitions and and drugs. There were uh, there was heroin. There was ashes. There was all all you wanted there. And and uh, yeah, they even proposed to 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 make a special luggage for me. Packed with heroin <laughs> to bring oh. back to Europe. What a great idea! Yeah, I just arrived and I didn't want to get into any troubles. I said, No, no, no! Please, I, I don't want to do this. <laughs> anyway, it was okay for them. <laughs> and uh, but then they wanted me to. Everybody was asking f- for you to try the the weapons. They wanted you to try the weapons. Of course, they wanted to be paid. No, mm. and uh, and there were many. F- foreigners going there just to do that I wasn't into that but I looked at the people what they, what they were doing and it was quite, quite scary you know because there was these foreigners maybe maybe never touched a weapon they, they were handling this weapon in a, in a very unsafe way and shooting around like this it's like I don't want to stay here so I went back to Peshawar after this experience and from there I took another bus maybe 20 hours, bus, up to Gilgit. Mm. Gilgit is on the west, northwest of Pakistan, uh, near the border with Afghanistan.
3: Mm.
0: Nearby, there's uh, this famous Kalash people. Kalash people are tribes, a tribe that they say, descend from alexander the great Ah, with the blue
1: eyes or exactly. green eyes or whatever very, yeah exactly. and the very european features
0: exactly beautiful people beautiful beautiful yeah. people and beautiful women i remember and what was beautiful was like that they were very sociable mm-hmm. like, like even the women they would talk to you they would uh, like when you meet them they would sh- shake hand but they, they had this strange way of shaking your hand that while shaking they would then pull your hand to their mouth and kiss it and you you would do the same you know? mm. so it was very unusual being mm. in a muslim country right uh, kissing uh, women's hands yeah yeah and uh, and they had these very beautiful costumes very uh, black but with very co- very many colors mm. and wearing like hundreds of necklaces of all kind of colors mm. And I remember when I went to one of their village, Rumbur was called, and I was invited to stay in one of their houses because in those places there was no guest houses or anything like that. Their houses were made just of four walls, no windows, just a small door, a meter high, and a hole in the middle of the ceiling. The the hole was just for the smoke to go out because they would just lit fire in the middle of the room. Flat roof or? Flat, flat, flat Flat roof. Smoky as hell, you'd think they'd at least figure out In fact, the walls inside were all black. Everything was smelling of smoke, no? Which I didn't understand why, why they would do it like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I remember I spent one night there couldn't sleep because I got bitten by thousands of, I don't know what they were, bed bags or fleas I don't know what they were, but in the morning I w- woke up and it looked like I had some weird disease in my skin because I, w- I had red spots everywhere. So I decided, hey, I cannot I cannot spend another night here, I, they're going to kill me, no? <laughs> So I moved to another to another I showed them and they saw and realized that I had a problem staying there. so they moved me to another house, a room, an empty room, completely empty, but this at least had a window and it had walls painted in white, so there was some kind of light inside. And I slept on the floor without anything, but it was far better than the night before. Why do you think they were biting you and not the people live there? I have no idea. Maybe the, the, the blood was new, new, fresh <laughs> and different smell. I, I, don't, I have no idea. Bed
1: bugs maybe. are into novelty.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they, phew. And uh, I remember now it comes to my mind like the, the w- one boy in the family, he was very good at drawing. And uh, he showed me all his drawings, and he had, p- he had written the date of all the drawings, or, or when he had made the drawings. And there was one that had been made exactly the day of my birthday, you know? So I said, oh, look, this one is, you made it in my birthday. He said, oh, really? And then he gave the paint, me, the paint to me, and I still have this painting somewhere. I don't remember where, but I still have the paint. And, um, yeah, I was telling you, the women were really, really beautiful, all having this very long hair and they had this strange way of making up their hair in in many braids, but that would fall into their face like forming a net in front of their face, Mm. you know with these beautiful eyes and beautiful and smiling all the time so they were really really beautiful and you would see them down in the river or washing their hair and chatting and singing with each other it was really a beautiful scene being in this tribe but there i spent like four or five days not more because food also was a problem like there was no food there was only you cannot even call meat because there was just the fat. I had to eat just the fat of the meat and some weird bread, very thick and very hard. So for three, four days I had <laughs> this, and I said, "No, I cannot go on with this for you more can't, time." Can't live on beautiful women alone, <laughs> no, right? I'm not only beautiful women.
1: <laughs> Beauty doesn't also, fill your stomach.
0: Also, because you're allowed to watch but uh, not to touch. Oh so. yeah, no, you no, definitely no. don't want to <laughs> <No>, be <laughs> doing that. So. I walked out, of, I, I, I forgot to tell you that when I arrived, when I went to this place, like 20 kilometers before getting there, the road had collapsed down to the river, so there was no road anymore. The jeep I was on had to stop, and I had to get down and walk to the village. So those w- that was my first taste of walking in Pakistan, and I walked this 20 kilometers in the morning and arrived at sunset, something like that. How much did your pack weigh? with well, eight, ki- eight kg.
1: Eight I kilos. Mean, I remember, wow, you were already down yes, yes. to the
0: bone. That's good. Yeah, eight kg. And um, so, yes, I walked there. And so the way back, I had to walk again to that spot where the road had, was broken. Then I went back to Gilgit. And uh, and there was where I decided to, mm, since I walked and really enjoyed this walk in nature and, and uh, along this beautiful river that, c- that I could see from the road I was walking on, I said, wow, well, I want to walk more in this country. It looks really beautiful in the mountains here. Yeah, the Himalayas in, in Pakistan are really, really beautiful, actually. I realized that I like them more there than in India. They're somehow not so spoiled like in mm. India and um, so I decided to make this walk and so I planned how to do it and I thought, well, okay, I wanted to walk from Gilgit to no from Gilgit. Think, Gilgit or Chit- from Gilgit to Chitral is it like that or from Chitral no it's yes it's from Chitral to Gilgit so the Kalash people I was telling you about before are near the city of Chitral hmm. not of Gilgit hmm. so I decided to walk from Chitral to Gilgit and I thought yeah well I have to find a way to to do it in an easy way because I don't want to carry my luggage for all this. They were 500 kilometers from one spot to the other. So I decided to buy a donkey, and that's what happened. I bought a donkey, even though I've uh, I've never had experiences with donkeys before. <laughs> <laughs> and but I was reassured by those who were selling me the donkey that, <laughs> of that he were. would walk, no problem. No problem. At all. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Do you remember how much a donkey cost in no. Pakistan? I think I paid it less than a hundred dollars.
1: Uh-huh. uh Yes. And did you like look at his teeth and pretend you knew what you were
0: doing or No, I trusted them completely uh, because boy. I couldn't fake knowledge yeah. that I didn't have. Yeah. But it was a a good deal I think I had. Because the donkey behaved well apart from sometimes that it wouldn't walk but then it mean, wouldn't work for maybe half an hour but then it would work so no problem mm-hmm. so we, we I, I prepared like all the stuff that I needed for the journey I bought uh, supplies so would you have rice, beans yeah but no, I mean this was just for emergency you no know, because I knew that along the walk every 20 30 kilometers i would have found something some no. village or something yes yeah, some village or right. some settlements because that time of the year like the the farmers we would bring the cattle or buffaloes or sheep or goats whatever they had they would bring them up the pastures in the mountains so there were settlements of people mm. along the way and you don't have any common language here? You don't speak Nordeaux or whatever? Not now. at all, no, yeah. no. And they wouldn't speak any English yeah. up in the mountains. Right. And so, after all the preparations, I, I set off for the next, well, from where I started, I remember I had to go up to a path, a pass that was 5,000 meter or something like that, before going down and, and, uh, and walking to the other. Did you have a good map? No, no, because the road was only one. Oh, there's only one only road. One road. Yeah, just follow so the I road. So I just had to follow the road.
1: That's easy. Uh, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> In theory. In theory. So, okay. So I'm just imagining the first day. You've got your donkey. Now what what's on the donkey? What else do you have?
0: Just just my backpack, the small backpack. Your 8 kilos. Oh, kilos maybe were uh, No, you're 8 kilo backpack. eight, I and all together must have been around 40 kilos. So the donkey's kind of thinking like this guy nothing. is easy. Yeah, very easy. Yeah. There was not much weight
1: at the end. And you weren't riding the donkey no, like donkey. No, Hoke. I never never rode the donkey. Yeah.
0: I was not scared, but I would never uh, r- ridden a donkey or a horse or anything, so uh, I, I wouldn't even try. Yeah. Uh, Did you name the donkey? Yes. It was called Shushu. Shushu. <laughs> I called him Shushu. <laughs> and it took well to the name, eh? because when I was calling him, he would turn around, he would, I l- l- mean, he would respond to me. Oh, really? Name. Yes. Oh. Yes. And I guess... You know, I guess that he felt treated very well from me because I saw how people were treating donkeys and that. They were really beating them up eh, with sticks. And and some donkeys really had uh, wounds also from the beating up. And me, I never had to beat up the donkey in any situation, any occasion. So if he wouldn't want to walk, I wouldn't walk. I would stop there and wait. I had a little tent with me, so sometimes, uh, I remember an occasion where there was no way to make the, the donkey walk, I, I, I put up tent and stayed there. I had a small stove,
2: you know, mm-hmm.
0: so I cooked whatever I had with me for the time and, uh, and waited for the donkey to... Yeah. Was there grass along the way, or... Oh, yes. Had, so you after, didn't take
1: grain for him?
0: No, no, no. There was grass everywhere. Yeah. As I walked up this path, this uh, to go up to the pass I remember it was very hard also because it was very getting very cold as I went up, it was getting very cold as a matter of fact, as I got to the top it was snowing and very cold and me, I just had, yeah, I had a good jacket but I, had, I just had that and it was cold and windy and it felt cold even with the jacket and, uh, yeah, we got up there, and then from up there, uh, the most beautiful view of all the Himalayas around. You know, and I, I woke up, and then from there you could see the road, and the road was running around a sm- uh, along a small stream, and all downhill, mm-hmm. it was all downhill from what I could see. And this was on my, on my right. On my left, as I looked on my left, there was the old Nanga Parbat sticking out of all the mountains around. And the, the particular thing of the Nanga Parbat is that it sticks out 3,000 meters alone mm. from the other mountains. All the other mountains around are 5,000 is 8,000 or so three, 3 kilometers of mountains. Amazing view, impressive, really, really impressive. And the, the small stream appeared to come from from the Nanga Mm. that you could see from far away you know and the stream was like you had all this green grass that looked like a carpet and felt Mm. like a carpet when you were walking on it and it was all uh, flowers this how you call them alpine stars These flowers that I I know in Italy are like you cannot touch, they are uh, protected. Oh really? There was just a carpet of these alpine flowers. So I was up there and I had to start my walk. From up there was no no turning back. So I started walking and I knew that after uh, 10-15 kilometers there, uh, there was supposed to be a village. So I started walking, walking, walking with a donkey. And uh, I remember I'd walked like three, four kilometers. All of a sudden I see two horses far away coming my direction. And as it got closer, I saw there were two men on top of the horses. And I saw that there was a cross on their chest. As they got closer, I saw that that cross were ammunition. And the thing sticking out from their bag was a uh, Kalashnikov. Oh, fuck. Here yeah, it's problem. But no, as they got closer, they saluted me with uh, Salaam Alaikum. I answered them "Aleikum Alaikum Salaam. And, and uh, they didn't say anything else. Very like proud people. They passed, passed me and kept going, no? At that moment, I thought, fuck, this was a strange situation because here, me, they could have taken everything I had. And there was nobody around, and I had some money. I had, uh, all I had was with me. But nothing happened, like So I thought, well, they are not so bad, the people here, even though anything could have happened. Anyway, I kept on walking. And as I was getting near the village where I hoped I could have stayed for the night, and that was already like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, before I get to the village, I I hear noises around me and and I see stones rolling down. And there were children throwing stones at me, you know. They didn't want me to stop to the village. They want me to keep kept, keep walking. I don't know why, but and, and I remember I had even read about stories like, like this, that some places people didn't want you to stop. So, I had to keep on walking. I couldn't stop in the village. But I was very, very tired and the next village was another 10 kilometers Luckily, downhill. You no. Know. So anyway, I had to walk. I kept on walking, 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 and I was very, very, very exhausted. And You, you didn't see any adults at the village. Like, you sure they weren't just
1: kids being idiots? Uh,
0: you know, the village. Uh, you couldn't. Uh, The road didn't pass through the village because the road was by the small stream and the village was Hanging up the the mountains on the side on the side of the right path So I couldn't see the people up there. Uh, I I did see some movement, but I didn't see people. I just saw some children Hiding and then throwing stones So I had to keep on walking I walked I walked until I got to next village and it was already set, sun was setting, it was getting cold and I was, I think this was the time I felt most exhausted in my life, really, having done the path, already the path, the path was, I was already tired up there and I thought, fuck, do I manage it to go, and then as they throw me the stone, I thought, fuck, here, (laughs) I don't know if I will manage, but then I did, I did, I got to the, to this settlement, actually it was, not a village, there was this uh, cave with, with a man inside, with a fire, cooking some chapati on, on, uh, on the fire, and, and dal, you know, the, the lentils. So, he offered me, he offered no. He made me pay, of course, he made me, I, I, I paid uh, whatever, he asked me for this food and I remember collapsing in in a stack of hay and uh, sleeping until for 10 hours or something like that but when I got up and it was yes and it was already the sun had already set when I collapsed and it was like six seven o'clock not late so I didn't see what was around me and then in the morning when I woke up went out And I saw these amazing uh, mountains around me, like the the scenery was just mesmerizing, so beautiful, so beautiful. So I decided to stay there one day more. So I went around walking and looking looking at the mountains, and at a certain point, by the stream that now had become a little river, I saw some round rocks that were moving. I said, "Fuck! what is going on here? The rocks are moving. And as I walked close, I, I, and, and, and when I was uh, seeing this rock moving, I was hearing a sound. That to me sounded like eagles. No, so I saw the rock moving, but the sound made me watch up in the sky, but there was nothing up in the sky. And then, as I got closer, I saw that they were Marmot? you marmots? Marmots. No. Uh, otters? Otters? Like a cat, sort of, that yeah. swim really fast? Yeah, but they were not in the water. They were ah. walking in, in between the rocks. Ah. You know? Like they looked like round, like these, like rocks, with fur, same color as the rocks. Ah. And it was these animals that were making this noise. Ah. And then uh, me, I th- at first I thought it was, uh, it was me that was stoned because I had smoked a joint in the morning and I was seeing rocks moving. <laughs> but then no, I saw they were animals, like four-legged animals. I don't exactly know what animals they were. But uh, I see that they were curious and they were getting near me, no? they, wanted, they were, wanted to see. Then all of a sudden, they all uh, run away. These animals, and uh, up in 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 the mountains across the river appeared. I don't know. It's a leopard, snow leopard, but no, no a le- without you know one color only, not like not a panther, like a panther or like a. Puma. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Some, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Brown colored? Brown. Huh. Like beige, brown yeah. color. So, oh, there's this kind of animals here?
3: Yeah.
0: I'm walking here alone. With a donkey? Me and the donkey. Wow. Yeah. So, then I went back to the settlement where I am and I asked about it. said, yeah, yes, there are these animals. Here everybody go around armed.
3: Oh yeah, everybody was
0: <laughs> Me, I have nothing, maybe some stones I can pick up. Yeah. But no, I decided to keep on walking when yeah. nothing, nothing else I could have done. And I was just in my first 30 kilometers of the 500 I had to walk. And um, so after a few days, two days, three days, I decided to keep on walking. And that went on for let's say two weeks same tram tram of walking getting to some settlement and some time getting nowhere like there was no people so there were days and days that i would talk to nobody Mm. like i remember these 15 days i made i might have exchanged 10 words with with like the food that i wanted chapati chai and because that was all chapati chai and Mm -hmm. dal but it was a great experience this of not talking like uh, it created a silence really inside too because this not communicating with anybody silence the mind also and it was very very beautiful feeling with this nature around you mm-hmm. and 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 it made you so present in every sound and 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 thing that you would see around you know I remember it be- being a very beautiful experience and I remember that that feeling made me do a drawing at that time just in a white piece of paper that I had with me from a from a notebook, I remember drawing this, the mountains around me, but it was all drawn with one line, just one line without never t- mm. taking the pen off the, the paper. So I was drawing these mountains and the small stream, and then I got to draw myself. You know? And I was, as I was drawing myself, I remember the pen went through the paper. I said, fuck, Now I fucked up the drawing. I finished uh, drawing myself, uh, and what I decided to do was to cut myself out with the, with a the Swiss knife that I had with me. And what was funny, because when I looked at the drawing, it felt exactly how I felt, like <laughs> empty, like mm. no, no, like this emptiness, this silence. Mm. With this... But a space where things pass yes, through. exactly. Yeah, a window. Yeah. Yeah, I still have this drawing too, somewhere. After these uh, fifteen days, I remember I got to a and this uh, after, fi- after fifteen days I had walked like uh, two hundred kilometers maybe, yeah, two hundred and fifty kilometers, something like this.
1: Did you have the experience with the kids throwing stones again? No, or just no, that first not again.
0: Just for the
1: interesting because. St- uh, yeah. Like if you assume, oh, fuck, that's going to happen all the time, yes, you yeah, want to I mean, turn around.
0: Of course, I had all those thoughts in my head because of what, what can I do? What can but it was just just a test. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as I was, ta- uh, I was telling you, I had been warned that in that village that thing might have happened. Mm. And it did happen. So after these 15 days, I remember getting into a small village and it started raining and raining and raining, two, three, four days, and it was raining and raining, and the stream that by now had become a river had become very big, and the water was coming down very fast, and and it was, and it that turned into mud at that point, because there was so much rain coming down the mountains.
2: (laughs) Anima aninda gunera
0: mudslides coming down the, the, the mountains and washing the, 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 the small path I was walking on, washing it away mm. and with it, many of the bridges that were uh, crossing the small stream coming down from the mountains you know? so the first few days after the rain that I started walking, I, I found myself walking in some time into muds until my waist, you know because the rivers had had been washed away. Then at a certain point I started to see dead animals, like dead cows or cattle that that the farmers had brought up to the mountains, because some of these mudslides had just crushed into them, no? So f- I remember the first one I saw there was a leg sticking out of the mat. I said, fucking hell, what is going on here? And it was these animals that were being killed. And then some people, dead. In the next village I arrived, uh, I saw like there were three, four bodies lined up that that they had taken out of these mudslides. And in this village I got stuck. I could not walk anymore because it started raining again. It was raining and raining. Ah, There was this episode there. Uh, I had finished my ash and I was looking for some ash. So I asked uh, a man that I saw on the street if I could find any, no. And they told me, yes, yes, no problem. You just have to go to the hospital, and ask the doctor there. I said, what? What? The doctor at the hospital ask for ashes? Okay, so I went to the hospital. I knocked at the door. Went inside. There was one doctor uh, sitting at the desk, and another one doctor lying on the couch. No, I said, what's going on here? In this? <laughs> so I said, uh, "Well, this old man told me that here I can get some ashes." Said, oh yes, no problem, no problem. Just wait here one minute. So the doctor sitting at the desk told the other one to go and fetch it. No. Ten minutes passed, and through the door came the doctor and a policeman. I oh, said, oh, fuck! Now, they, now I I'm done. Like, mm. But no, the policeman at the ashes. He sold me the ashes and just went easy like that. But was really weird situation or hospital to look for <laughs> ashes and then the policeman gets there, gives me the ashes and and the most wonderful ashes I tasted uh, since then. No? Oh, wow, was it black? Black, yeah, like Pakistani black, uh, kind of gooey. Gooey, yes, yeah, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Gummy, That's the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, in (laughs) fact, I remember, I mean, I was used to smoke, uh, yeah, a few joints per day. That stuff, I could smoke one joint in the morning and then I didn't want to smoke anymore. I was so stoned all the time. And uh, but I did smoke because I was stuck in this village. Then at a certain point, I remember we heard an helicopter getting to the village.
1: By the way, sorry to interrupt you, but was hashish legal in Pakistan?
0: It was illegal. Uh-huh. Yes, because I remember another episode afterwards where there was a man that had, had hidden it in his car and uh, the police came and was searching the car for because they 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 had a tip uh, and they were looking for this uh, hashish, no and uh,
1: was there some situation in that town with shooting?
0: That was after ah, after, after another ah, okay. walk after. Ah, yeah. ah, okay. So you heard a helicopter? I heard an helicopter and uh, so the helicopter landed in, in, in a small field in the middle of the village and uh, the, the the Pakistani Prime Minister was in the helicopter, and he was coming to the village because because th- this thing of this lights was big, and it, it was in all the news. I mean we we didn't know it, but it was in all the news because a lot of people died. And uh, he came to the village to reassure the people that they would have sent uh, uh, rescue teams to get the people out of there. And. Uh, And he he said he would have taken one person out of the village as a symbolic act, no? And I thought, ah, this is me. I'm the only foreigner here. Who, uh, he has to take me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't take me. No, he took a woman uh. because it had to be more symbolic. You take out the weak one, not the. So how did you know what he was saying? Ah, uh, there was this old man that that I had search for ashes, uh-huh. he was translating Ah, okay, good. So did you like raise your hand? Oh and yeah, sure, <laughs> <In> both <laughs> hands, and I was like, really, I want to get out of
1: here. <laughs> but I guess a lot of people were. Yeah, a
0: lot yeah of people everybody. Take me, everybody, yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, most people were from the village, right. so, and they, they were from there, they didn't want yeah. to go anywhere. But there were some others that were not from there and wanted to get up. Well, they
1: could have put you in a harness and hung you from the bottom of the helicopter, you yeah, know, really, like, like,
0: really. uh, cargo. No, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. So yeah. he takes off, leaves you there. Leaves me there, and the, the men, the men, the old man I was with there, told me, yeah, yeah, don't worry, every time that this thing happens, helicopter comes, tell, tell that they're coming, and they never come. So he said, what do I have to do? Uh, you have to, you better keep on walking, because now is end of September, soon the snow will come, and you will never get out of here. Ah. So that's what I did. So you kept going? I kept going. You didn't turn back? No. No, no. Kept going. Kept going for another 100 kilometers, until I got to a place where, finally, uh, the roads were OK, and there were, there were uh, cars.
1: Well, how did you go a hundred kilometers
0: with the washed-out path and no bridges and mud and destruction? Walking walking in the mud, me and the donkey walking in the mud. Yes, yes. and sometimes seeing other dead kettles and uh, yes, but I had to keep on walking. And I did actually see at a certain point uh, the army walking up the, the same path I was walking down. So it wasn't really true that they never did anything. And how did you cross the river? Well, they were not really river, they were streams coming. But still, yeah, I mean, still, how do you cross? Up, up here in, in the uh, water. Super cold. Freezing water. Yeah. But yeah, no, I had to cross and go and walk. Me and the donkey. The, for the donkey it was easier, eh? more easy than for me. He seemed to be used he to, to these He was used it. Holy
3: and, uh, shit.
0: Yes, then we got to almost to the city where uh, I had planned to arrive, Gilgit, and uh, maybe twenty kilometers before, I, I decided to get rid of the donkey. Uh, so I sold the donkey. I sold the donkey for half the price I got, I got it for. And. Uh, and there we parted. Were you sad? Yeah, it was because it had been good company for yeah.
1: me. Your only company. In my only in, in company. A, in a really memorable moment in
0: your life. Yeah, yeah. Shushu. Shushu. So Shushu went his own way. I guess it didn't last long because it was old yeah. and it looked like that when they sold it to me, it was already ready for uh-huh. butcher.
1: So maybe that was Shushu's last journey. Yeah, pos- probably yes, probably yes. So maybe you were a passenger on his journey. <laughs> yeah,
3: yes. <laughs> if you think about it, would be seen in that way. <laughs> yeah, yes.
1: yeah. Uh, should we stop here? The yeah. the women have arrived, so we'll we'll. Uh, Continue We'll continue this in a day or two, and okay. I can talk you into it, and we'll remember we, we ended with, with the parting of the, Shushu. With the
0: dog With the donkey. The donkey. Yes. <laughs> All right.
1: Thanks. Okay. Fine. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And appreciate your support for the podcast, uh, especially those of you who do it through FundWhatYouLove.com, where you can set it up to take a buck, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever you can afford, whatever you feel motivated to throw at the podcast every month. Uh, You don't have to think about it. It's an ongoing thing. You can cancel at any time, of course. That's fundwhatyoulove.com. That's run by Danny Osman, who also does the sound engineering for the show. You can find him at emeraldcitypro dot com if you have any engineering sound engineering needs. He's great. I vouch for him, of course. He's been doing the sound engineering for this podcast for over a year now. Completely voluntarily. Uh, He's a cool guy. So if you have any business you want to throw his way, please do. Thanks to Basin and Range for the opening music. You can find them at basinandrangeband.com. There's a Reddit Tangentially Speaking discussion group. If you want to talk about episodes, throw a question at me, get a conversation started at Reddit. Just do a search for Tangentially Speaking, all one word. And of course, thanks to Bennett at Shore Design T-Shirts, another guy who's been supporting this podcast from the very beginning when I had about 15 listeners. He was there. He's still there. And uh, I love him. Never met the guy, but I love him. And I sure as hell love his shirts. So you can get his shirts at suredesigntshirts.com shirtscom And of course, all the shirts that are at ChrisRyanPhD.com are made by Shore Design T-Shirts in Thailand and packaged and shipped to you by my mom, Julie. Uh, Say hi to Julie if you order anything. She loves it when that happens. And, of course, last but not least, thanks to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear, Smoke Alarm, which reminds you to carpe fucking diem because you're going to die one day.
4: He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. One day, we're gonna die. One day, we're gonna die. One day, so baby, what's a big deal if you wanna be free? Say what you wanna feel, spend the night with me. I'm gonna take you up in my arms. If we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms, we'll dance into the ground.